are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Wednesday hump day edition of Locked On Pelicans. We got a whole bunch to cover. We got draft expert analysis of the Locked On NBA mock draft we did the other day. How did they think about the Pelicans and my selection for them at 11? We'll play that whole breakdown for you, get you prepped and primed for the draft, which is going to be here before we know it. We've also got to talk about fan behavior in some of these playoff games because it's just flat out been atrocious during this time. And then we're going to wrap up today's show doing or continuing our player season in review series. We're going to be looking at James Johnson in today's episode. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. But before we get to all of that, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. All right, so let's dive into the expert analysis here of our Locked On NBA mock draft that we had the other day. We've got Raphael Barlow of the NBA Draft Junkies and the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. I'm going to let him take it away to analyze the lottery picks that we just had. What up? It's Raphael with NBA Draft Junkies. I'm going to give you my reaction or analysis to the Locked On Mock Lottery. First up, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder. And with their pick, they selected Kay Cunningham. To me, that's a no-brainer. Makes the most sense. At number two, it was the Indiana Pacers. And they went with Jalen Suggs. And the reason this makes sense to me is because I have Evan Mobley as the number two pick on my mock draft. And the Pacers... Definitely do not need another center. I mean, I think the two pieces that they have don't necessarily complement each other. And then Suggs would give them another guard in the backcourt. At number three, it is the Houston Rockets, Evan Mobley. A little bit of redundancy there with Christian Wood, but at this point, Houston needs talent. And I would find out a way to make the Mobley and Christian Wood front court work together. At number four, the Detroit Pistons, you have Jalen Green. Makes sense to me. Detroit needs scoring. And that's one thing that Jalen Green does is put the ball in the basket. He'll provide scoring punch. And some excitement that the Pistons have been missing. Blake Griffin was supposed to have that buzz and create that excitement in the city, but that didn't work out, even though he had a really good year a couple years ago. But it just didn't work out like the way Detroit had anticipated. So I think Jalen Green would be a good pick there. And number five, it is the Orlando Magic, Jonathan Kuminga. I think this pick also makes sense because Orlando has... A lot of guards between Fultz, you got RJ Hampton, you got Cole Anthony, and then they still have Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba, you still have Jonathan Isaac. So I think Kaminga makes the most sense there. Number six, it is the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I agree with this pick 100%. Scotty Barnes is the perfect piece to me. I mean, their backcourt is a little small, and their backcourt... It's probably not the best at moving the ball. Scotty Barnes will give them an additional playmaker. Then when you have a Scotty Barnes and Isaac Okoro 3-4 combination, I think your defense will at least be above average. At least you have some defensive cornerstones, along with Jared Allen. So I like that pick right there. At number seven, this is probably the biggest shocker to me to have Franz Wagner going to Golden State at number seven. I understand the fit. I just 
don't think Wagner is a top seven pick. I think he's a borderline lottery pick, but that's just my opinion. But I actually like the fit. But I feel like Golden State will have two lottery picks, and I feel like they can get Wagner with the second pick. But that's just my opinion. Number eight, the Toronto Raptors and Keon Johnson. I really like this pick because I am a very big fan of Toronto's development program. Johnson is raw, but I think if there is one team that I feel like that can help him maximize his potential, it is the Toronto Raptors. At number nine is the Orlando Magic again, and they select Moses Moody, so they have another wing. I think no matter which way or which direction Orlando goes in, there's going to be a lot of guys with overlapping skill sets, but in this case, with Kaminga and Moody, you added two wings, you added shooting, and you added defensive upside. And, and I mean, I guess they would just have to compete for the starting three spot because I think Jonathan Isaac is there for the future. But, again, I can't get mad with the pick. I think it makes a lot of sense there. At number 10 is the Sacramento Kings and Corey Kispert. <sighs> I, I would just feel sorry for whoever goes to Sacramento. I know Kispert. If I'm his agent, I'm not even sending my medicals. I'm not even doing an interview with the Kings because that franchise is a mess. But Kispert does make some sense there. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with Harrison Barnes. It seems like he is probably their their best asset as far as being able to, to make a move and get... I don't even know what they would get for him. I don't know if they're looking to get younger, if they're looking to add a veteran. I don't know what the game plan is there for Sacramento. So I'm not necessarily mad at the pick, but I would be upset. Not Well, I shouldn't be upset. I mean, you want to be happy that you're drafted. But if, if there was one team that I would not want to go to, it's the Sacramento Kings. At number 11, it is the New Orleans Pelicans, and they have Al Pering Shingoon. The reason I don't necessarily like this pick, because I think Zion is your cornerstone. And Zion is, in my opinion, going to be tough to build around. If you're going to build around Zion to maximize his talents, I think he needs to be paired with a defensive five that also spaces the floor. Shingoon doesn't necessarily do that yet. He does rebound something at Zion. I feel like they're... Zion could be a much better rebounder, but if I'm the Pelicans, I would probably go with a guard because I can't imagine they're looking to bring back both Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe. So I would go with a guard here, but again, this is just my opinion. At number 12, Charlotte taking Josh Giddy. I think this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, Giddy and LaMelo Ball are very, very similar. I don't know why they would select another point guard, and <laughs> yeah, I, I just... It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If I were short of the direction I would go in with this pick would be a, a big. Hopefully, Shingun is available. I think that makes a little bit more sense as far as what they have on the roster today. You never know. Andre Drummond is a free agent. Charlotte may be in a position to you know, give him a, a nice, hefty paycheck because I don't think he'll get it in L.A. But, yeah, I, I just don't understand the, the Josh Giddy and LaMelo Ball backcourt. I mean, I think they are like, too similar. At number 13, it is the San Antonio Spurs, and they have Isaiah Jackson. And Isaiah Jackson is a high upside guy, high defensive potential. Don't necessarily know if he's a pop guy. Um, I could see them going with like someone like Shingun or Garuba if they're available. So the Isaiah Jackson pick, it makes some sense, but I, I thought that Jacob Porto had a pretty good year. And... I just don't know if Pop has the patience to develop Isaiah Jackson. I think he's a few years away from really being able to come in and make an impact. But San Antonio, I think they just need to go ahead and fully embrace a rebuild. If they decide to embrace a rebuild, then to me it makes sense. But it seems like Pop is going to continue to try to fight for this eighth playoff spot, which makes no sense to me. 
And wrapping it up, it is the Golden State Warriors with Davion Butler. I actually really, really like this pick. It gives them another guard, another shooter, if you are buying into his shooting consistency. I know he had one year in his college resume where he was a, a good shooter. And there are some question marks about his overall free throw percentage, but it gives the Warriors a defensive guard, gives them another playmaker, shooter, some athleticism. I think this pick makes a lot of sense. And for Golden State, if you can get Franz Wagner and Davion Mitchell, I think you had a pretty solid draft. Well, that wraps up my reaction and analysis for week one. It's Rafael, NBA Draft Junkies. I'm out. All right, so this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, and look, it's not going to be a Pelican one because they're not playing. And two, did you not see the game that Damian Lillard had the other night? Last night against the Denver Nuggets in a loss, it was absolutely incredible. He set an NBA record for made threes in that game and hit the game, uh, hit the three that sent it to overtime, hit the three that sent it to double overtime, was just masterful with 55 points alongside 10 assists and six rebounds. He was absolutely unbelievable in this game. I was so excited and had so much fun watching him. He just is like a player that when it's game time makes you so happy and you can tell that he's enjoying this. He's feeling the moment right there and he takes pride in all of this. There's joy in him. There's happy in him. And that is exactly why he is the Michelob Ultra player of the week. It is absolutely unbelievable what we saw from him. And look, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Despite the loss, you could tell he was enjoying himself out there. And at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, you can enjoy a Michelob Ultra because joy creates success and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And Damian Lillard clearly enjoying himself just like you should be enjoying a Michelob Ultra. And that's why he's the Ultra Player of the Week. So before we get into bad fan behavior, because there's been a big issue right now going on in the NBA with all of this stuff, I do want to respond to Raphael here and his thoughts on the Pelicans drafting Alperin Shengun, which I think is a good pick. I, I went back and forth with a couple of different guys on that, and I'm not sold on Shengun. And I'm going for what the guy with the highest ceiling that I see, the most unique kind of player out there. And I definitely do think at that spot it is Shengun. However, fit is something that he, Raphael, clearly values in these picks and seems to put that above maybe some other qualities. And he'll be on the show at some point to talk about this with me. And I'm going to be curious to hear his drafting philosophy when it comes to it. Um, but you can certainly see the need for a guard here in New Orleans, particularly like a true point guard. While Kyra Lewis Jr. could be that, it never hurts to add more of that to the backcourt. And so, yes, a guy like Josh Giddy, I think, would make a lot of sense. And a guy I really considered, Davion Mitchell, I think, would work if you want a guy that's more NBA-ready but doesn't have the most upside. And we'll get into that discussion a whole lot more throughout the course of the offseason and as we start to bring some draft experts onto the show, which we'll be doing in the near-ish kind of future. So one thing I do want to talk about is the rash of just bad fan con conduct out there in the NBA playoffs. And you've seen it where the fan poured popcorn on Russell Westbrook as he was leaving a game in, with injury in Philadelphia. You just had a fan storm the court, more or less get tackled by security in the game between the 76ers 
Sixers and Washington Wizards two nights ago. That was pretty awful. We had the incident in Boston, which is the most high profile one probably out of all of those, where a fan threw a, a water bottle at Kyrie Irving after he was leaving the game at the end of the game and was arrested and is going to be charged with battery and assault and, and a whole bunch of stuff. We've heard just and seen the poor treatment of players in terms of things that people are saying to them. A lot of the racist things that have cur- you know, incidents have occurred in Utah and you heard some stuff about John Morant and his family out there not having the best experience either. All of this is appalling and needs to somehow be removed from the game but in the, and the NBA has a real big problem with this. This is not acceptable. I don't care if other players have it worse in soccer, in college, or any other sport. There's no place for this sort of thing. These guys are just kind of out there doing their job to a certain degree, and they shouldn't be subjected to this kind of stuff. So the NBA needs to figure it out. But it also puts into perspective some interesting things that I thought, you know, if you remember this past offseason, the one before, I can't remember now, where Ramona Shelburne basically said fans in New Orleans are racist and like worst fans out there and, and they're terrible and all that. And when you think about New Orleans and the fan incidents we've had here, there's two. OK, there's two. One was and both of them were people on the court. One of them was a comedian that impersonated a Pelicans player and was out there warming up and shooting shots before a game was a hired comedian by DeMarcus Cousins when Boogie was on the team to promote a comedy show that he was doing. No harm, no foul. It was kind of fun, fun kind of thing that when I watched that video of it was freaking hilarious and I enjoyed it. So that was really cool. The other one was a little kid somehow got out of the court when the Pelicans were playing um, against the Knicks to hug Carmelo Anthony. The worst thing we've really had here in New Orleans is a little kid running on the court to give Mello a hug. That's not too bad. It's not bad at all, actually. It's not even not too bad. It's kind of, it's damn adorable and cute. No racist incidents whatsoever. No one treated DeMarcus Cousins poorly when he was here or anything like that. And that dude is a lightning bolt for that sort of thing. Puts into perspective how good the fans really are here in New Orleans, in the Smoothie King Center. And that all of those... Things that have been said about you guys, other fans, not true whatsoever. And this really puts that into a whole lot more perspective. But the NBA needs to do something. And it's probably going to have to be with one of these guys, probably in Boston, really either doing jail time or getting a massive fine or or whatever it's going to be. And look, I don't think they actually need to be in jail for this sort of thing. I'm not big on like nonviolent criminals going into prison necessarily, but it's neither here nor there. But they need to have kind of the book thrown at them and some significant repercussions for these actions because seriously banning a life from the arenas isn't going to do it. There needs to be a bigger step. Otherwise, the NBA is going to have to do things where they remove some of what makes this game fun and that's guys falling. You know, sometimes it's how close you are to the action, right? A player falls into you if you're sitting courtside. It's kind of a cool moment to have, and as long as everyone's okay and there's no injuries or anything like that. And I don't want to see that kind of removed from the game and that you know lack of a barrier for back of uh, for lack of a better word. I think is enjoyable and unique to the sport and something that is important to it. It makes you feel close to all of that. But the NBA is going to need to revise their their fan code of conduct and definitely put in almost a zero tolerance policy. It's not like you get a warning or anything like that. If you do anything like this, you're done. It has to really follow through on all of that to kind of get some of these issues that we're seeing out of the game because it is truly, truly atrocious what we're seeing from this kind of behavior. And look, no one's no one's been actually hurt or anything like that. So that's good, right? But you still don't treat other people like that, let alone athletes. And I don't care that Kyrie 
clearly stomped on the logo. You don't throw things at people or potentially harm them when it comes to that. And I'm just glad to see that we've never really had an incident like that here in New Orleans or anything like that and have only been good fans. So we'll get into our player season in review on James Johnson coming up here next on Locked on Pelicans. But before we do that, today's episode of Locked on Pels brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? And when you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about which one they love the most. And if you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out because it's coconut, coconut almond, cherry raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate and salted caramel. There's absolutely something for everyone. And I love the mint brownie. It's it's really mint chocolate chip ice cream. It's exactly what it tastes like. And if you want to give all of the different nine flavors a try, you can get a mixed box. You're going to get two of each of the different nine flavors. And most of them have 17 grams of protein and only 140 calories, plus just four grams of sugar and only four grams net carbs. So these things are healthy. They're great for your workout before or after if you just need some breakfast in the morning or you're just looking for a meal replacement, something like that. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCK15 for 15% off over at BuiltBar.com. Today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action over at BetOnline.ag, and you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sports needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore as the playoffs are as fun as possible. You can make them even more interesting by getting into the game through betonline.ag. So head to the website using your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is free money they're giving you right now just for signing up and making a deposit over at betonline.ag using the promo code locked on. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, it's time to continue our season in review series. This time, James Johnson, who came over to the Pelicans mid-season, mind you, this year, um, in the trade for J.J. Redick. At the moment, I wasn't sure if this was a great move for the Pelicans, particularly because I didn't think James Johnson, who's an established veteran here in the NBA, would really provide a whole lot let alone it didn't seem worth the bad PR and press that you knew J.J. Redick was going to give you. Like, that shouldn't have been a surprise that he went out and torched the Pelicans on his podcast. But immediately, in the first game that James Johnson played, he proved his worth. He got the start, too, because the Pelicans were dealing with injuries at the time. And by the time he came over in early April, you know what? It was just something that the Pelicans needed that he brought to the team, whether it's that veteran toughness, and this is a dude that you do not want to mess with whatsoever. Uh, Decent three-point shooting for the first couple of games that he was here, whatever it was, just injected into the Pelicans, and they absolutely needed it. And there's a couple of games where, yeah, they would have lost if it wasn't for big performances from him. Really, when you look at his best performance this season, it was the third game of the year against the Houston Rockets game that New Orleans won by seven. You saw him getting his third straight start for New Orleans, playing almost 34 minutes a game here in this one and putting up 18 points, seven rebounds alongside two. Sorry, uh, where did the number go? Three assists, two steals and four blocks. Those are incredible. Rim protection, some three point shooting over time. He was good. 
and just a needed addition to the team. He makes a lot of money this year, but this is a guy that they could conceivably bring back next season. Now, as the season went on, things changed a little bit for him and he started to look particularly worse. In the month of May, when there were nine games, he made four total threes, four total threes. And his tenure here in New Orleans kind of ended more with a whimper, finishing the season shooting 26.7% from three. That's not going to get it done, even on a veteran minimum deal that he could come back in next year. So if you were to do the buy, sell, hold with him, I'm kind of selling because of that. I liked what he brought to the team. It was needed. You know, he averaged 9.2 points per game, four rebounds. Those are all pretty good numbers. But shooting under 27% from three isn't going to work. And that is a number that would have needed to be higher. And he's not a great career three-point shooter, just 30.4%. And on his way, maybe more out of the league with maybe a couple of role-playing years left. I just don't know if that's a guy that you need to bring back for a team that needs a little bit of a shakeup. You can get other guys that are tough, that kind of have that, that no BS attitude that he brings. It was needed that the point that he came over this past season, but I don't know if that's necessarily needed for New Orleans going forward and that's why I'd be hesitant roster spots might actually be at a premium next year for New Orleans they're starting to run out of them already and so because of that I'm hesitant to bring James Johnson back and why I'm selling just slightly I'm not like oh hell no don't bring him back if you got no one else to spend that money on you've got a roster spot sure bring him back maybe on an unguaranteed deal next year that would really work but I'd be a little bit hesitant because you want to have some flexibility and an extra roster spot certainly can be that. But he came over, you know, in 22 games, 11 of them starts, filled his role admirably. Glad he was here. He validated that J.J. Redick trade immediately, basically, which that in and of itself was nice to see because kind of screwed J.J. Redick after everything. So I enjoyed him here this year. Just don't know if he's a guy that needs to come back next season. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Don't forget, I'm on the Locked On NBA podcast today. Host that every single Wednesday. So if you want to recap all the games the night before in under 30 minutes that went on in the NBA Locked On NBA podcast, wherever you get your podcast, a great way to do that. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.